Portions of the following episode were recorded after the coronavirus pandemic started, but before the murder of George Floyd and related protests. We know these events have had and will continue to have tremendous impact on our lives and our community, and of course, the work of artists. We assert that Black Lives Matter and will be working on content that deal with such topics. As always, we'd love to hear more about what you'd like to hear from us. Stay tuned for ways to reach out to us at the end of the show. Welcome to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, Curator of Education. So today our topic is alternatives. Uh, We're working in an alternative situation. Alternatives feels like maybe the best word so far um, for all of these that really speaks to what we do here. Um, We are working from home today. It is an alternative office situation. (laughs) Yeah, mine happens to be my bedroom, sadly. Um, But I mean, it's comfy. Well, we also talked about how people, um, so much of our lives were planned, we've said this before, but that um, so much of our lives were planned without COVID in mind, like open floor plans seemed like a good idea until you need to escape the people you live with. Yes, yes. I am regretting very much my open floor plan house right now. I have a modest size house, um, but in its one level, but it's very open, which everybody for so long, you know, on HGTV and everything, we're like, ooh, open floor plan. And now I'm like, please give me some more walls. <laughs> I know. Just get me something. Well, let me just just escape for a second. My dog was barking earlier. You know, they're just, they're around all the time. And I love them, but, you know, we planned having children when we thought they wouldn't always be with us. Uh, so that's certainly an alternative workplace. You know, alternatives for, I mean, for art, I, I think that it's one of the most interesting places to look at innovation. But if you're thinking about alternatives, we have lots of alternatives in our life. For example, in my house, uh, and maybe in yours too, uh, we have been doing a lot of baking. And eggs were scarce. They're not as scarce anymore, but they were real scarce at the beginning of social isolation. And my family had to be quarantined. So we couldn't go out. And so we were looking up alternatives like flaxseed and water. And mm-hmm. um, But then we were looking at what happens when you put in a substitution. So we had, um, I found some dry, I had we had dried blueberries and I was like we'll make blueberry muffins and we'll use this alternative flaxseed and water for eggs and this alternative and I don't remember what the alternative was for milk maybe I just used water I can't remember um and the um the children came the muffins came out and they were so ugly um and everyone was very sad but then we tasted them and they were truly the tastiest muffins we've made we're not good bakers um and there is something about that and I've been thinking a lot about the the way that we talk about alternatives in the collection, they're beautiful works. And I don't think we see them as alternatives because the artist has transformed the alternative. We're not quite blueberry muffin artists, but I (laughs) I can understand that. Yeah, I think everybody's dealing with alternatives right now, right? Like, okay, so usually in the summer we do this thing. Or usually um, at this point in the week, we do this. Um, And we're having to all be very creative. You know, those of us who don't think we're creative, um, wouldn't consider yourself a creative person. I think everybody is being incredibly creative right now, finding an alternative to um, make sure that everyone is happy, healthy, you know, cared for, and then 
for the extras, you know, alternatives for things that you enjoyed for leisure time and things you did together. Uh, I know I'm doing that at my house, you know, okay, well, we can't go to this place. What can we do instead? Right. Or again, yeah, (laughs) our favorite place to eat, maybe we can't get to. So we're going to try out these blueberry muffins. I think your muffins sound great. They sound like delicious vegan muffins. I love it. They were. They were good. They were actually surprisingly good. I can never make them again. You know, the one thing, though, for me about some of the alternatives, cooking-wise at least, is that they're always like surprises for me. You know, like, oops, oh, this worked. Um, and I do think for um, for some artists, some of the like, outsider artists in our collection, I think they're doing alternatives in the way many of us are by um, because that's all they can do. You know, like a lot of artists... Go to an alternative because the original, let's say, they don't have the money for oil paint. Um, Oil paint's very expensive. They don't use a a canvas because uh, it's expensive. But other artists turn to alternatives um, as part of their practice. Uh, The alternative might be um, purposeful. It might be a purposeful alternative um, because they're doing it to kind of tell a specific story or to use, to, tr- to show that they're outside of the um, oil paint on canvas society. Yeah, it really makes me think of the um, Elinatsui piece that we have that is made out of liquor bottle caps, like the metal um, ring and sleeve of liquor bottle caps. And it's an alternative material, right? Um, but he used it because he found so much inspiration in it. Just like this humble object that he was like, my goodness, like he just saw endless possibilities of using that material. There's something really beautiful about that. You know, we we both live in as as with the Akron Art Museum in Northeast Ohio, right near our Great Lake, uh, Lake Erie. And um, I was thinking a lot about because we're trying to figure out we have all these I we, for better or for worse, have taken quite a number of rocks from the Erie Shore <laughs> over over my children's lifetime. Um, not just our Erie Shore here in Cleveland, but um, in but also like you know near Toledo and you know lots of Great Lakes, Ontario. We have all the like rocks sitting around here, and I've been thinking a lot about like um, the what can we make that's beautiful out of it. You know, I was thinking maybe we could do a coffee table or I don't care what. I just need to do something with them. But there is something that artists have, that a lot of artists have, even if they're not using alternative materials, even sculptors who work in stone, is finding something in that media and making something out of it, transforming it. And anybody could do that. Definitely. That, it makes me think of the um, La Wilson pieces that we have. La Wilson is an artist who is from Hudson, Ohio. And she, you mentioned, you know, it's kind of um, related to childhood. Her work is so connected to childhood to me because she's really a collector of things, just like tiny objects. Um, and she uses them as her art materials. Um, and I feel like children do that so much. My son also, my older son has a rock collection <clears throat> and he's not like categorizing them or anything like that, geologically speaking. Um, he just, you know, find ones that he likes. Like children see things as treasures, which I always find so beautiful. You know, they see these things and collect them and then, yeah, make things with them, do things with them. The La Wilson piece, um, the one we had up most recently is a retrospective of her work. And so she has in this kind of wooden grid um, placed objects with, you know, like with like. So she's got like a whole little box filled with marbles, a whole box filled with um, pencil erasers or jacks or um, maybe little wooden blocks. 
And so she's taking the idea of art materials and really turning it on its head. Definitely alternative materials. And, you know, you, you said it's like wonder. I mean, when I look at La Wilson's things, I think it's like it's wonder manifest um, that she saw and she saw something different in the things that everyone sees. That's that's to me about the rock collection. You know, my children have used to bring them to me and they still actually do. Look at how beautiful this is because of this, that we all walk by it and they found something wondrous in that. That is actually, that's a great thing for us in this, like right now, because I have to admit um, this morning, my husband woke up and he's like, another day like yesterday. And he was, you know, it was real sad. And it's just, we, you know, summer, it's beautiful. The weather's really nice. The garden's growing. And there's so much to be, to look at that's beautiful. But if you let the regular kind of take you down, the right, re- you know, the average, it, it really can get to you. Definitely. <laughs> I know. I'm sure a lot of us are, are feeling that way right now. So art is a good respite for that if you, and you know, what's great right now is that the alternative to going to the museum is experiencing a lot of artwork digitally. Um, so th- th- I mean, that's a great opportunity if we're talking about like access to collections and to artists themselves. I mean, one of our um, volunteer tour guides was telling me she is now following more artists on Twitter and Instagram than she ever has before just because she misses coming to the museum so much. But, you know, she's motivated by the fact that she's used to seeing contemporary art. So she's following people who are making artwork right now and like messaging them and, you know, following their work, seeing inside their studios. Uh, She's found it really uh, inspiring. She's loving it. Well, you know, actually, our artist for this week that Reggie's talking about, I started following Yinka Shunabare. So Yinka Shunabare um, is a a wonderful, wonderful artist, I think. And in in a way, Yinka Shunabare is the opposite of Law Wilson. The works are very, they're, they're, you know, very composed, and they do use alternatives, um, but in a very in a very different way than Law Wilson. Um, there, there's sort of a um, I don't know a formality to it that I love. But I've been following Yinka Shonabare on Instagram as well, just to, because I think it's so interesting and to see into these people's lives. Um, you know, to see what what's happening. Yeah, it's fascinating. And the work Reggie, um, we're going to turn it over to Reggie momentarily here for a deep dive, but the work um, Reggie's talking about, it's a Yinka Shonabari sculpture that we have. We actually also in the collection have a photograph, I think just the two pieces, um, for right now, we'll see. Um, but it, it looks to me almost like the artist is, there's a figure in the sculpture, I won't reveal too much, no spoilers here, but um, almost like the artist is teetering between two alternatives, two options, um, because there's a figure on a tightrope. And Reggie will talk more about that. But um, it, it, it's always an interesting piece to talk about with groups and discussing that with them. Like, what do you think he's teetering between and, and relating it to their lives? Like, do you ever feel like you're on a tightrope and there's two sides and you're going to or going forward? Like, what are your options? Where are you doing or how are you doing this? What is going to be your end result? Um, the physicality of it is so, I don't know, it's uh, imposing almost because it's so, the scale is like real life. I love it. I love it. It's one of my absolute, you're right. It is. It's, it is, it has such presence in the galleries. I love it. Um, so I'll, without further ado, I'll turn it over to Reggie. Reggie here with this week's Deep Dive. 
This week, we're talking about alternative materials with Yinka Shonabare's Gentlemen Walking a Tightrope. For a lot of artists, their materials hold a great deal of meaning and emphasize the overall message of the work itself. What might look like simple things like cloth or rope actually might represent something much deeper. This greater meaning is central to Yinka Shonabare's work. In Gentlemen Walking a Tightrope, we see a dapper figure dressed in brightly patterned Victorian-era fashion. The figure is carefully balanced on a tightrope, with their back heels slightly lifted as if they're trying to move one step forward. On its surface, this may simply seem like a fun, colorful work of art meant to engage the imagination, and the artist knows this. He has said that he likes his works to be approachable and engaging, but he'd also like the audience to follow him a bit deeper, and his materials are an important step in that process. Shonabare was born in London, raised in Lagos, Nigeria, and then returned to London to study fine art. In his works, the brightly colored fabrics he uses are known as Dutch wax cloth, and they have a long history in Europe, Asia, and Africa. The patterns are inspired by Indonesian batiks, made in a traditional Dutch process, manufactured in England, and then sold and popularized in West Africa. They are a truly global material, reflecting what Shonabari refers to as his own hybrid identity as a Nigerian-British artist. But the fabric also asks viewers to reflect on the ramifications of such a global economy. What practices and labor went into creating and shipping these fabrics? Where are the roots of colonialism and racism within this global trade economy? How do individuals with complex identities navigate through a world that prefers binary definitions? These are just a few of the questions Shonabari's work raises, and the world must continually balance our answers along this precarious tightrope. That's all from me this week, but tune in again soon for another deep dive. Reggie, thank you for that. It is interesting to think about all of the ways that materials can convey meaning, thinking about how you're um, probably working from home. A lot of us are wearing PJs and, you know, your old threadbare T-shirts you might wear, um, band T-shirts, say, and how much meaning there is in that uh, textile and touching those things or in the things you surround yourself with. Uh, probably a lot of us are looking at our stuff in our lives and... Um, because we're home. And so you can look at the surface in a way that you don't get to look at the surface of all those places you're only visiting digitally. So that's a wonderful meditation. And it leads us to um, the idea, though, that those things don't convey singular meaning, right? Like your plate from Crate and Barrel might be the same plate somebody else has at Crate and Barrel, but you have different um, connotations about your plate than somebody else's plate. Um, and so materials can convey meaning, but they also have this anonymity, which I think is sort of fascinating. It makes me think a little bit about um, some of the themes that come up in Caitlin's interview with Adana Tillman, whose work I love. Adana is just exceptionally thoughtful, and um, and I love the sort of layering that she does in her work. So I know everyone will enjoy this conversation that Caitlin has with Adana.
Hey, Caitlin here for this week's Shop Talk with Adana Tillman. Adana is a textile fabrication artist living and working in Atlanta, Georgia, though she is a native to Akron, Ohio. Adana's work utilizes the sewing machine as her primary form of mark making. She combines various pattern fabrics together based off of the compositions she dreams up in her head and ultimately creating vivid pattern portraits. You may have rented Adana's work, Hide and Seek, from the Akron Summit County Library through the museum's Akron Art Library program. And without further ado, here's our lovely conversation for Adana Tillman's Shop Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you and chat with you today. Great to be here. Go good. You know, someone, I'm at a residency in the Georgia mountains right now. Whoa. And there is someone playing a piano, but they're kind of far away. So if it's picking it up, I think that's awesome. But. That's fine. But how incredible you're in Georgia right now. Yes, yes. So two weeks to just kind of like, and it's in the cab, I have my own cabin and just two weeks to kind of just like create and just work. Yeah, so it's kind of awesome. I'm really excited. Congratulations. That must be such a nice break from everything. (laughs) It is much needed. (laughs) Yes. So my first question is, what are your initial thoughts on Yinka Shalabare's gentleman walking a tightrope? I had a couple things. I like to, of course, they had the more information at the bottom on the link that you sent me, but I kind of like to give it my first reactions before I read into maybe what the artists had thought about doing or when they were creating it. So when I first looked at it, I was like, well, of course, he's on a typewriter, so this is kind of like a balancing act. And it's headless, so to me there was, does this person or this figure, what kind of direction do they have or do they have any at all when they're walking this type of whether, I was like, are they trying to, this is a type of, of balancing act of choices that they're making in their life? And if so, are they making those without any direction of not knowing what their purpose is because that it's head, because that it's headless? So that was kind of like my first reactions. And then whenever you see a type of, you automatically think circus circus but then he's in like this tailored structured suit so is it like he's feeling like maybe the world around them around him is a circus and he's kind of like trying to maneuver through that but not really having the purpose or knowing how to navigate that being a headless figure so that was kind of like my first initiation when I first looked at it that kind of struck me okay yeah it was pretty easy for me to connect his work to yours not only because of this use of textiles, um, but this incredible amount of pattern, um, though his is more base unlike Dutch wax and Indonesian batiks. But your figures as well in your work, I noticed they're largely without facial um, features except for lips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with him being headless, I just thought that was an interesting connection with like a certain lack of direct identity. Um, exactly. I think in some of my work, which I don't know, I couldn't tell you if I've done it on purpose or not, <laughs> only adding certain features into the face work so that more people can see themselves in the figures. But when I've done shows and I've had people who they might not necessarily be into art or these are their first shows, they like, you know, I see myself in your work or this reminds me of a friend of mine. And I love that. That was like the happiest thing, the greatest thing that I could hear. They can do like a direct relation to the work. 
That's the best thing about work is that it is so narrative based for the audience members and mm-hmm. yeah, for your work to be this and for uh, Shana Bares to be this further tool of allowing yourself mm-hmm. to be in that narrative is absolutely wonderful. So going back to this kind of idea of like our podcast topic of alternatives, what does alternative mm-hmm. mean to you? Alternative to me is more of I won't say a set of choices, but choices that you kind of tailor to yourself or to your life that it doesn't have to necessarily be my choices are off the beaten path, but just kind of like a tailored, I don't even want to know if you want to call it a a lesson plan, a syllabus for yourself that works for yourself. And that's kind of what alternatives is to me. And I've done that in different areas as even pursuing my art. I haven't gone the same path as others, but it wouldn't be considered off-beaten path, but just a series of choices and kind of a syllabus on how I've been kind of working my art art career. Okay. I, I really like um, that you took it to this idea of just even process and how you mm-hmm. workflow, because um, I wasn't sure if the word alternative can mean so many different things. And I wasn't sure if you take it of the mm-hmm. materiality or if it is process. Yeah. yeah it's I, more, more for me process for me. <laughs> okay. Um, so being in Georgia right now, how, like, have you created a sort of agenda for yourself during this residency or? I did. More opened and I well, I, you know, I created an agenda for myself. I had dinner with some of the other artists that are here and there's poets and there's writers and they're just like, you know, I just, you know, we'll let it flow and see what happens. And I like have like this kind of like to do list kind of plan on things that I would like to accomplish or things I would like to have done by this point in the residency or things that I might want to work on each day. It's no, it's kind of nerdy, but (laughs) no, I am a list maker myself. So I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have it, I brought a, um, uh, I forgot. Well, to lack of a better word, um, a board and I wrote down my list and I put it, I nailed it up on the wall so that I can kind of see it every day. And like, I can check off stuff. Cause when you check off stuff, I feel so good. Oh my, it's such a rewarding feeling. Even that little yes. work making is just wonderful. Yes. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're moving down and we're doing this. <laughs> um, so kind of related to how you structure your day, what is the first thing you mm-hmm. do in the morning? It kind of starts off, this has been new, I'll say, I'm starting like the last couple of months, like I'll get up and I'll do like a series of stretches to kind of get me moving, which is really helpful. And then I do have my master list that I may have for the week. But then each day I might add a few things on a, like a small minor to-do list. So I kind of look in the morning like things I may have forgotten or kind of need to tackle for the day. So that's mainly what I do in the, the morning to kind of like get my head space and direction on where I need to go. I love that so much. I feel like <laughs> how I organize my day and yours is like so aligned. <laughs> yes. It makes you feel so much better. And then at the end of the day and you see that you've done all these things, it's great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, what are your three desert island studio needs? I saw this question. I was like, oh, I love this. I would definitely need to have my sewing machine. So I'm hoping that there's some form of electricity on this, in the studio. Um, and I would need fabric, piles and piles of fabric, doesn't just an assortment. 
and I would need, I've been working, trying to get into like um, linoleum, block printing, and wood carving. So I would need a wood carving tool. So we're going to need those three. Yeah, I wonder how you would MacGyver uh, the sewing machine electricity, but I I mean, this is a theory anyway, so... (laughs) And then I was like, let me think. And then I was like, my mom has one that you, you know, you're, she has an old one where you work it with your foot to get it to work. Yes. It doesn't need electricity. And I was like, well, maybe I'll need to switch it out for that. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe out of those three or something else, what's your favorite tool? My steam ripper, which like, I hate that I have to use it, but I love that it's there. Like sometimes I'll put together pattern work and I'll put together a piece of work in my head that I think looks great. Then I'll start putting it together and then I'll like pin it up on the wall and like sew it together. I hate it. So then multiple times I have to go through and I'll have to like tear out all the stitches. I've done that a few times. So like I'd have to have my finger on me all the time. So it's a tool that is just kind of like disaster preparation. Like it's, you, you need it if it comes down to yeah. it, but you don't necessarily want to use it. You don't want to use it. Um, and then kind of more broadly, all of this has been so uncertain. And it just with that even explosion the other day, mm-hmm. just so much is happening. What is your silver lining during these times? I felt a little bit guilty because I I was able to still keep, even though I have reduced hours, I was still able to keep my main employment. You know, there's lots of people who weren't able to keep their, their jobs, but in that time that I had reduced hours, I was able to put more um, attention and spend a lot more time on my artwork, which was a great plus because I was able to make more work and I was also able to sell during this time as well, which, you know, that's, I was a blessing because, you know, there are a lot of artists who, you know, they might not be making sales or, you know, shows have been canceled. And so just having that solitude and that time to spend more, um, give more effort to my artwork and able to spend more concentrated effort and more time on it has been the biggest plus side of this like craziness going on. Yeah. A lot of artists are saying that though it's financially been really hard because of those lack of Mm -hmm. opportunities. It seems like Mm -hmm. there has been such coming together and even that idea of slowing down, like you said, and focusing because maybe your job wouldn't fully allow you to take all that time to work on your exactly that's exactly or you work all day and then you get home you're kind of working into the middle of the night now versus having that more time during the day where you're in your full mode to kind of like put more energy to it versus right you know your regular job a little unrelated i have five this or that questions that i didn't send you okay so they'd be more okay (laughs) i'm old versus new oh sorry so Old. old okay Love vintage anything. Um, I'm that 100 percent too. Um, <laughs> half full or half empty? Oh gosh, well, this wasn't. I don't have a quick one for this. Half full. I assumed you would be a half full kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go. Yeah, we're looking at half full. It's almost there. We're not quite there, but we're yeah. getting there. I like that. Morning or night? Night, actually. Really? Yes. I do have a lot of energy during the day, but sometimes 
I'll get like this second wave of energy and sometimes I'll work on artwork till like three, four in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fast or slow? Fast. I'm a speedster. I drive fast. I love roller coasters. Anything that goes fast. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and last one, salty or sweet? I think I'm going to go with salty. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite salty treat? I like salted peanuts, almonds, okay. cashews. I like those. And like Chex Mix. Oh. Like, I love it. Yeah. A good little salty. Yeah. Best thing ever. See, there's trade-offs. There's a lot of salt, but mm-hmm. you know, you're getting your protein from the mixed nuts. Exactly. And so. That's what I, anyone always says. I'm like, well, you know, you're getting your protein. The nuts are there. It was like, well, we're done. <laughs> And lastly, though you're in Georgia mountains right now at this residency, do you have any other upcoming projects or things you're working on? I was happy to say that um, Sprite had a Sprite give back where they chose 10 visual artists and 10 fashion designers to receive a grant to either start or complete work. So I was a recipient for that. So I'm working on a few new pieces. Um, They're going to do like a week-long pop-up shop for those artists and designers. With, you know, COVID and everything going on, they didn't have a hard date, but probably September, October. So I've been working on new work for that. So that is my, yeah, that's my most upcoming. And I'm working on a project with the Akron Art Museum. Yes. So wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully, that'll probably be towards the end of the year, though. So that was, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure on those details. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, so those are two things that are great that I'm working on now. And what residency are you at? Uh, Hambridge uh, Creative Arts Center. It's in Raybun Gap, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for um, doing your first podcast with me and us. I know. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes. All right. Excellent. So um, we are so happy to be doing this and reaching out to you. If you want to reach back out to us, please do give us a call. Phone number is 330-790-1622 or throw us an email at podcast at akronartmuseum.org. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. Relief Podcast is a production of the Akron Art Museum. Today, you heard from staff members Seema Rao, Gina Thomas-McGee, Reggie Lynch, and Caitlin Evans, along with our guest, artist Adana Tillman. Special thank you to Jordan King, who wrote and performed all of the podcast theme music. Until next time, take care and live creative.